Well, thank you for being here this morning. I've gotten a lot of uh, good feedback about this series. I think many of us are enjoying thinking about heaven. And isn't it interesting, of all the many images Jesus and other scripture authors could have chosen to describe heaven, one of the most frequent is that heaven is going to be like a wedding and a great marriage banquet. Because that's an image that can translate across time and culture. To say heaven was like the Super Bowl or heaven's like the 4th of July, what would that mean to different cultures around the world? But no matter what the culture is, no matter what time in history it is, you could compare heaven to a wedding celebration and immediately connect with all people. Because few things are more joyous than a wedding, at least that's what we hope. I did hear a story of a little girl who went to her first wedding ever. And can you remember your very first wedding, how incredible that experience was? And, and like you, she was filled with questions. And she asked her mother, for example, Now, why is the bride dressed all in white? And her mother said, Because white is the color of happiness. And this is the happiest day of her life. And so she said, well, then why is the groom wearing black? <laughs> I'm sure we've all been at weddings we deep down wish we weren't at. You ever been invited to a wedding you didn't really want to attend? Maybe it was a distant relative or maybe it was through work and you didn't really feel a connection to the couple but you felt an obligation because of your boss or whatever. And all of us, let's be honest, have given flimsy excuses of why we couldn't attend weddings we've been invited to. But I know a wedding you do not want to miss because this wedding will take place in heaven. John was given a vision and he heard an angel say in Revelation 19, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. This is one party you do not want to miss. Over and over in scripture, we're told there is a great ceremony coming. And our assurance is that there will be a marriage feast in heaven. Jesus regularly alluded to a future great banquet in his honor that all peoples of the world should desire to attend. This marriage feast to come is as sure as the tomb is empty. Now I say that because we've all heard of weddings that were planned that never took place. Ceremonies that were intended that never happened. Not this wedding. Nothing can stop this banquet from happening. Now Jesus told a story about this. I want us to read this morning. It's in Matthew 22. And it begins with the first verse of the chapter. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven... Is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. 
Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who'd been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. And then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Now, the point of this story is that God will not be deterred from his announced intention to honor his son at a great banquet. The Jews initially were invited to come, but they spurred the invitation. They murdered the prophets. But God will not be deterred. He continues to remain busy wooing and encouraging whosoever will to come to the feast. God wants it to be a big party. Because he wants all the universe to know just how much he loves his son. But amazingly and tragically, many who have been invited will choose. Not to attend to their eternal regret. All can attend the marriage in heaven. But many will refuse the invitation. And that raises the question then. So just who can you expect to see at the wedding? Or to put it another way. Who's going to be in heaven? Well let me tell you who's going to be there most of all. The first face you're going to see is the groom. The groom will be the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we've all been to weddings. I have been to many weddings. I have preached many weddings. And every wedding I've ever been to or preached, the bride was the center of attraction. I even coached the groomsman. When she comes down the aisle, you focus on her. You turn and keep your eyes on her because she is the star of the show. That's how it's been at every wedding I've ever been at, but not this wedding. At this wedding, nobody will be able to take their eyes off the groom. And you know what we're going to say? When we see the groom, we're all going to say the same thing. We're going to say, doesn't he just look Glorious. Let me explain what I mean. You see, Jesus had to empty himself of some of his divine prerogatives to walk among us as a man on the earth. Now, he was still fully God. But in the Old Testament, there's a quality of God called his glory. It means his attributes, but it also means his brilliance. You know, when Moses was with God on the mountain, his face shone with the glory of God. 
Jesus could not walk among us as a man radiating the glory of God. He had to empty himself of that. Now, there were moments where you got a glimpse. Like one time on top of a mountain, some of the disciples saw Jesus' figure change. And it says, his face shone like the sun and his clothes were like light. But he couldn't live among man in a state like that all the time. But do you remember Jesus, the night before he died, he went to a garden and he prayed. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for you and me. He prayed for many, but he did pray for himself. And he made this one request of God in John 17, 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. God, I want the glory back. Did the Father hear the Son's request and answer it? We have two depictions of the post-ascension Jesus in the Bible. One is in Acts 9 when Paul is going to Damascus and the Lord Jesus appears to him on the road. And how is the Lord Jesus described? As a blinding light. Revelation 1, John has a vision of Jesus. And how is Jesus described? Face as white as snow. Eyes blazing like fire. Feet like burnished bronze in a furnace. Yes. Jesus is now glorious. He's going to be so much more conspicuous in heaven. And this stands in sharp contrast with all the popular notions about heaven that you read in film and in print today. Think about the movies lately about heaven. Where was Jesus in any of them? Or the books you read, like that popular first five people you meet in heaven. No mention of Jesus. Isn't that just like the devil? He knows he can't prevent men from thinking there's a world after this one. So what he does is get them to take Jesus out of it. We do to heaven exactly what we do with everything we touch on earth. We make it totally man-centered. Not this wedding. At this wedding, you're not going to be able to take your eyes off the groom you're just going to be preoccupied with Jesus Paul when he was thinking in prison about whether it'd be better if he lived or died said I know what I want chapter 123 I desire to depart and be with Christ notice he didn't say I desire to depart and go to heaven the longing for heaven is really a longing for God we were made with To be intimate with God. That's what we lost in the garden. That's what sin has cost us. Fellowship with God. And we want it back deep down in our soul. We know that we do. That's what's going to happen at the marriage feast. Why did he choose the image of a groom? You know what some of you have in mind when you think about Jesus at heaven? I'll be honest. Jesus is like a rock star or a, a world figure. And you're going to see him from a distance. And maybe after about two billion years, you will get close enough to ask Jesus for an autograph. No. You ever thought, boy, I wish I could have been one of the disciples. I wish I could have just walked with Jesus and and ate with Jesus. And I wish I could have just listened to him and sit down with him and talk to Jesus. You are going to get to. That's the whole point of the image of the groom. We are destined for intimate fellowship 
friendship and relationship. We're going to spend quality time with Jesus. That's your destiny. And we're all going to say the same thing. Man, doesn't he just look glorious? But we're also going to be curious about other members of the wedding party. Because there's going to be singers at the wedding. And you know who they're going to be? The singers will be God's angelic band. See, one of the wonders of heaven is going to be to learn more about the hosts of heaven. And our very first glimpse of the angels is going to be when the groom comes for his bride. There's many scriptures that say that. Like 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 says, Now this is going to happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. Well, angels are powerful. I get tickled. You know, we're going through an angel craze right now in America. And everywhere you go, there's these cute, fat, chubby little cherub angels you can buy and put in your house and your car. And Let me tell you something. When an angel showed up in the Bible, nobody ever said, isn't he cute? <laughs> Typically, when an angel shows up in the Bible, you fall down on your face afraid you're going to die. Because angels are powerful, mighty, intimidating figures. But... At the wedding. You're not going to be afraid to see angels. You're not going to have any dread of God's special spirit servants. I don't know how many there are. The Bible says 10,000 times 10,000. That's an old Hebrew phrase that means innumerable. Just more than you can imagine. But I'm excited about seeing the angels. Studying their capacity and their delight to just execute the will of God. There's just one will in heaven because angels are just so eager to do whatever God wants. I want to learn about angels. I do. I admit it. Apparently there's a hierarchy of angels. Some angels have more authority than others. Apparently there's different kinds of angels. There's, there's, we know there's cherubim and there's seraphim and I'm sure there's kinds we don't know about. Apparently angels have their own languages. There's tongues of angels. I can't wait to hear them. Do you really think all the music and praise of God that he's capable of receiving, you've heard yet? There's all kinds of ways to worship God. We can't even fathom yet because we haven't heard the angels. There's a lot about angels I'm looking forward to learning. In fact, in some ways, we're going to be like angels. Jesus said that when he was asked about marriage in heaven. We'll be like angels. Now, what he means is we're not going to age we're not going to get sick we're not going to die we're not going to procreate all the angels there are have been created and when we get to heaven that's all the people that will be there there won't be babies made in heaven but there are some important ways that we are not like angels let me make this real clear when you go to heaven you don't become an angel I've heard, especially at funerals of children, well, God just wanted one more little angel in heaven. No. You don't become an angel. Let me tell you, there's some big, important ways why you're not like angels. Good ways, encouraging ways. One is this. The Bible never says angels were created in the image of God. That is a dignity He has bestowed on you and me. 
And the Bible never says God made provision for the salvation of angels. Angels rebelled against God, were kicked out of heaven. And it says hell's been prepared for the devil and his angels. Some angels right now are kept in prison waiting that day. And there's nothing in the Bible that God made any provision to save rebellious angels. But he did make provision to save you and me. Now I'll tell you something else. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that angels are co-heirs with Christ. That's our destiny. God's going to raise you to a position of honor greater than angels. You know that? In fact, do you know you're going to judge angels? That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6. People in Corinth were fussing about little things. And Paul says, can't you settle this among yourselves? You realize someday you're going to judge angels? I can't wait to learn more about angels. But angels are not going to be the guest of honor at the wedding. Do you know who is? The Bible says in Revelation 19. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. You see, if at the wedding, we will not be able to take our eyes off the groom. Do you know the groom will not be able to take his eyes off the bride? And who's the bride? Well, the bride will be the redeemed of all the ages. Those whose sins have been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. Who will be presented pure and blameless to Jesus Christ. It is the ultimate Cinderella story. Now why do we like that story? Think about it. A child who is neglected and scorned and abused. Is picked by the prince to be his bride. The one nobody would have thought worthy. The one nobody would have chosen is the one the prince can't keep his eyes off of. You see, one of the great surprises in heaven, I love this, is the makeup of the bride. All those who are going to be a part of the bride of Christ that the world has scorned, that nobody deemed worthy i got to tell you a great story I came across a couple of months ago. True story. This happened in 1990 in Boston, Massachusetts. A young couple is planning to get married. They go to the Hyatt Hotel downtown to plan their wedding banquet. I mean, they pick the china and the flower arrangements and the menu. And they have expensive taste. And this banquet is going to cost $13,000. And the Hyatt demanded they pay half the money up front as a deposit. So they write a check and put the money down. And then they go to make arrangements for other details of the wedding. And just before the big day, the groom gets cold feet. And decides he's not ready to make a commitment. And his fiancée is crushed and she has to go through the humiliating experience of canceling all the arrangements. And she goes to the Hyatt Hotel and she meets with the events manager who could not have been kinder. She herself had been through such an experience and she knew the pain of it. But she had bad news. She said, sweetheart, it's 
such a late date, the company policy is we can only give you back one-tenth of your deposit. I can give you back $1,300. I can't give you the rest. You've got two choices. You can just cancel the banquet and absorb the loss. Or you can go ahead and have a party. And she thought about it. See, I need to tell you some more about this lady. Ten years before, she lived in a homeless shelter. But she made some good choices. She got her life back on track. She got a good job. She saved up some money. And she decided, I'm going to throw a party. And she did. She went to the homeless shelters in Boston. She went to the rescue missions. She said, you get the word out to the street, to the addicts and the people that sleep under the bridges. And you tell them, and she gave them the date, the time. You come to the Hyatt Hotel downtown. They are invited to my party. She only made one change. She changed the menu so that the main course in honor of the groom would be boneless chicken. And they had a party like nobody had ever seen. People that were used to scraping the remnants of old pizza off boxes they got out of dumpsters came to the Hyatt Hotel and they feasted on chicken and hors d'oeuvres and they drank champagne and had chocolate cake and they danced to big band music. And it was the prostitutes and it was the addicts and it was the street people and it was the homeless people and it was a party like Boston had never seen because for one night... The people that some would call the scum of the city were the guests of honor at the banquet. It's going to happen again. There's going to be a wedding banquet. And oh my, you ought to see the guest list. The people that have been invited to this party. They're going to be there, not because they were deserved, but because they were invited. Not because they're worthy to attend, but because they're willing to attend. Not because of their performance, but because of their acceptance of the invitation. The one who invited them has paid for the party. He's just asked them to come. And they will. And I hope you will. I hope when you get this invitation, you won't make an excuse. Just one thing you need to know. No admittance will be granted without proper attire. You see, in the days of Jesus, when a rich man was going to throw a wedding for his son, along with the invitation... He would make special robes for the wedding and he would send them. So that when you came to the banquet, you were wearing the robes that showed you'd been invited. Now, if you want to come to this wedding, you need to be dressed right. What are you supposed to wear? Well, let me show you. Revelation 7. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? And I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who've come out of the great tribulation. 
They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Okay, let me talk about something controversial. Who's going to be at the wedding? The popular view in our all-truth-is-relative-tolerant society is, well, there's just lots of ways to go to the wedding. You just find the road that works for you. And I'm saying to you, if you can get to that wedding without your clothes being washed by the blood of the Lamb, then the cross was the biggest blunder in the history of the world. My Bible says, if you want to come to this wedding, you're going to have to come in faith in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. You come to this wedding not because you're deserted, but because you've been invited and because He paid the price for you to come. And you know what? If you try to crash this party and come any other way except through the blood of Jesus, the angels are going to be there to throw you out. But if you come dressed in the righteousness of Christ, the angels are going to look at each other and they're going to say, how beautiful is the bride of Christ. I don't care what you've done. God can get you ready for this wedding. Did you fail at marriage? You're still invited. Have you had an abortion? You're still invited. Do you have a drug problem? You're invited. Have you been in prison? Are you in prison right now? If you're going to listen to this sermon online in a couple of days. You're still invited. God can get you ready for this wedding. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and body be kept blameless until the day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God who calls you is faithful. He will do this. God can get you ready for the wedding. One more story. Another true story. Over a hundred years ago in England, a young boy named William Dyke at the age of 10 became blind. He went on to university and eventually to graduate school where he met a girl, the daughter of a British admiral. And he asked the admiral if he could marry her, for they had fallen in love. The admiral said yes with one condition. He had heard recently of a new surgery that might possibly restore the boy's sight. And he asked him if he would submit to the risk and undergo it. And William Dyke agreed with one condition. 
that they not take the gauze and bandages off his eyes until the moment of his wedding when his bride had come to his side. And so he went through the operation. They put on the bandages and the day for the wedding came. William's father put his hand on the young man's arm and guided him to this place at the front of the chapel. And then the admiral walked his daughter down the aisle. And as she came down, William's father began to slowly unwrap the gauze from around his head. And everybody was speechless because nobody knew if the surgery was successful. And finally the last bandage was removed and he stood there for a few seconds And then he said, you are more beautiful than I ever imagined. Someday, you will look into the eyes of Jesus and you will say, Jesus, you are so beautiful. And he will smile and he will say, I was about to say the same thing about you. Let's bow our heads. Oh God, we confess to you That we need to develop the discipline of anticipation. The world with all of its enticements and allurements catches us up into the notion that the moment is all that matters. And we forget to anticipate. We forget to long. We forget to look forward. Increase in us the discipline of anticipation of the day when we will look into the eyes of Jesus and see more love than we ever imagined even existed and realize it's for us. And help us not to soil ourselves or make the kind of choices that indicate we forget the wedding is near. But help us to live ready for the great day. Oh God. I'm glad angels have tongues too because there aren't enough words in the human tongue to say thank you for what you've done and what you've prepared. Help us to live never forgetting these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Elders and ministers are going to be
in room 109 to pray with people today and encourage you. I'm going to be down front, and I'll tell you why. Because it's very likely someone here today wants to get their wedding clothes. You've heard the invitation. There's something deep in your spirit that says, yes, I want to come to the wedding. And you want to get your clothes. Bible says in Galatians 3 that all of us who've been baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. He's ready to wash away your sins and make you blameless in His sight. So please come. Please say yes. Don't miss this party. You come while we stand and sing.